Hello, everybody. This is Apple Sheets podcast, um, third season, first episode. Um, and we have a great guest. Yeah, Vladimir, hi. <laughs> and we have a really great guest today. It's uh, Natalia. Um, probably you might already know her from her blog uh, or maybe from her book or even maybe from her work on uh, uh, one of those frameworks which we are now using a lot. <laughs> but uh, welcome, Natalia. Hi, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. By the way, Danis, why do we meet on March 9th? Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, th this episode <laughs> airs at the same time on March uh, 8th and March 9th, which is fun. And we're also recording it on, on both of these dates. Yeah, so <laughs> Natalia is from New Zealand and they already have March 9th. Yeah, we yeah, we, we might probably record it a little bit uh, earlier, but this uh, as probably already uh, guessed. This episode uh, is dedicated to International Women's Day, and um, now I see it's like more recognized that in, as International uh, Women's Day. Like it's more and more uh, people paying attention to this, and uh, companies do some internal events promoting female engineers and um, like I mean engineers from from the perspective of the company we are working to in yeah IT engineering. But I think like many companies are recognizing this holiday and uh, doing their events on this. So we are we will be doing the episode uh, on on this too, and surely we will talk about uh, how you got into IT and what's your view on the situation uh, in the industry and uh, like uh, how do you feel being uh, an engineer in this community and like does it actually work? So you spoiled all the questions. Uh, hopefully no. <laughs> and uh, for those of you who are watching us live or listening, um, like bring your questions, we will ask them and uh, I think we, we definitely need to start with the most Maybe obvious question, but still interesting. Natalia, how did you get into IT? Like, what's what, what was driving you into software development? Yeah, it's like a long story for me. Uh, I'll try to make it short. <laughs> um, so the first step that like, I took towards learning to program is starting to started to learn computational linguistics, uh, and I did it for one semester. Uh, and that's how like I had to learn uh, Java and Python. Um, and like the programming there was mostly like focused on fundamentals like algorithms data structures uh we also did uh some more like specific computation linguistic stuff like uh uh like with like studied regex and things like this uh, and uh after that um i got a job uh in a company in paris um and uh, the job was for um a mac os app um it was like a http client uh, for mac called four used to be called four and now oh. it's it's four <laughs> you know <Rapid> API. <laughs> yeah yeah now it's called rapid api uh so and i was doing like lots of um different things uh it was like because like i was like super junior <laughs> all i had is like a, a half uh yeah less than half a year studying like uh basics of the like fundamentals of programming so and uh i was yeah, just basically learning on the job and um, I was doing customer support for developers uh, and I was writing uh, like um, extensions in JavaScript because like the uh, Paw is native macOS, but uh, extensions uh, can be written in JavaScript, like, I don't know, code generators uh, or importers, exporters. Uh, some dynamic values, it has like dynamic values where you can, I don't know, uh, insert the JWT or something or do some kind of auth thing. So uh, those like uh, small things are in JavaScript. 
So disclaimer, so it's free now, please grab a copy yeah. right now. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and then um, I sort of slowly transitioned into helping with the web um, front end as well in React. So I basically started to learn React before I learned the fundamentals of HTML and CSS. It was really hard, but yeah, I, I had like help and I was like trying to um, doing that. But then it was still quite hard for me to sort of progress because um, like I was, I felt like I was lacking some uh, fundamentals. Uh, so I found a programming bootcamp uh, in web development called Levagon. And I went to Portugal to, to do the course and studied Ruby on Rails, but I thought it's transferable anyway. I can like decide if I want to carry the Ruby on Rails after that, or just like go back to doing like React frontend or something. Uh, so I did that, it was really helpful. Mostly I think for, just realizing that it's okay not knowing things and you can like search for them and you don't have to like just know everything to do the job straight away. So that definitely sort of helped me. And then I was much more confident um, after the course uh, and just like meeting people who have sort of similar backgrounds. They're not like originally, uh, they, they didn't study tech, like they didn't study programming at uni, but they want to transition. Uh, and so the building that network uh, is helpful too. Uh, and, um, so I was, um, thinking, uh, whether I should continue with, uh, web frontend or maybe do full stack. Uh, and then, uh, with my partner, we had an idea for an app. Uh, it was like, basically we both worked at pool, uh, and we had customer requests, uh, for WebSocket support, but like, uh, Paul didn't really like, uh, it didn't like really fit in how like Paul was designed. So we thought maybe we can, like there is demand, but maybe we can write a tool for that on the side. And we tried. Uh, doing like an iOS app in React Native because like neither of us had uh, any experience in native iOS development and it just like wasn't working out. Like we tried and it was like not good. So we thought, okay, well, maybe we should learn together iOS development. So that's how I started to learn Swift, which is like some online courses. Uh, and I really liked Swift and I was like, wow, it's so clean uh, compared to like Ruby and Rails, like Ruby or JavaScript. And I really liked that it was uh, strictly typed. It was like, I had like a much a clearer picture of what I was doing, uh, especially like I, the very first language I learned was Java. So I was like, wow, that's a bit similar and I can like it in that way. So yeah, I was like, okay, maybe it's the direction I should go in. And I started just like writing some small apps myself. And then I thought maybe I should like look for jobs in different companies, see like if I can learn uh, better in a team. And in the end, like I was uh, like writing apps uh, by myself, applying for jobs and uh, it was going on for a bit, um, and we ended up in, in New Zealand in the end. So my like my first uh, job as an iOS developer in a company I was in New Zealand, but I was still like ended up doing other things as well, uh, like uh, Node.js was like a thing and Angular GRS. So it's like the, the very first uh, version of Angular, but I was still doing iOS, which was great. Um, yeah, it was back then. It was UI kid. Uh, so got to do that, uh, but no Objective-C. So like I started with Swift straight away and had to learn Objective-C much later just to sort of be able to read it and uh, yeah, just integrate it, Happy but not really like, yeah. <laughs> I've never written like an app for you and I don't think I'm able to. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you already mentioned that like there was no, there was no Swift UI at that time, right? <laughs> for... Yeah. <laughs> mm. Well, we already like mentioned that you had uh, some experience uh, with uh, Swift UI from the other side. We will not be asking any like questions which are related to the NDA topics. Uh, that's for mm -hmm. sure. But how 
I don't know. How do you personally feel about SwiftUI? I mean, is it uh, like from the user, I mean, the developer perspective? Like, what what's the what's the story about it? And uh, like, did it change when you like were working on it, and then you were just using it? And like, we we see a lot of posts on the SwiftUI from you on uh, some features on of charts or like any other mm-hmm. things which are. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, I really like it. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't have worked on it if I didn't like it. But um, yeah. Uh, so I started using SwiftUI straight away as as soon as it came out because it sort of um, correlated with me um, leaving my job here in New Zealand and thinking maybe I should open my own company to like uh, uh, do some freelancing and do some apps on the side. And SwiftUI just came out, so I, I left my job at maybe in July and SwiftUI, like that that year SwiftUI came out. So I just like started learning and started to win, but maybe I'll just like, um, it, it's like I'm working on my uh, on my own. Uh, I'll just write apps that support this like new uh, iOS version and write them fully in SwiftUI because like I don't have like customers who need supporting um, all the versions or anything like that. So uh, yeah, that's how I started learning it and experimenting with it. It was quite raw the first year. So I had to do like lots of workarounds and I started a blog this way as well because like I wanted to share uh, what I was learning and like everyone else was learning at the same time. Um, so yeah, it was quite great. And yeah, after this like year of me uh, making apps and SwiftUI, trying to make apps and SwiftUI, um, the SwiftUI team reached out and they said that they like my blog and maybe I would like to join them. And I said, Yes, of course, I would like to join you. <laughs> that's how I ended up on the SwiftUI team. Well, I interviewed, of course, and everything. Yeah, that's, uh, that's how so, they found me. So, so this is one of the steps how to get into uh, some interesting projects. You, you, you need to do a good, a really good blog. <laughs> blog or it's anything else. Like, just like, share what you do so that people see see what you're doing, see, see what your interests are, and maybe they will reach out to you. Hmm. <laughs> I don't think which Apple framework I want to think about. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Vladimir, you will be uh, one of those who will be promoting Rust for Apple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, one hundred percent. Vladimir is our um, fan of Rust language, and uh, therefore we, we we have a couple of internal jokes about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's actually re- uh, uh, really cool. By the way, uh, have you tried writing for yourself something in Swift2i for Mac? Not for iOS, but for Mac. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I have a project uh, which is like that WebSocket client. We keep like <laughs> writing and rewriting, and now we took it uh, pro- off, uh, like took it out of the App Store because it broke again with the new um, OS release. So it, it this this client is uh, iOS, iPadOS, and macOS, uh, and uh, but like it has a lot of navigation things. So it's like we have to rewrite it basically ev- almost every over here uh, and we just like we're working on like our other app like a drawing app for ipad so uh we didn't have time to to rewrite it to, just before the release and it was not working so well with the new os version either on ipad or on the mac so we just took it out of the and we're thinking if we have time we we'll go back to it again yeah yes with your navigation always somewhere close <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, well, the, I, I, I would say that the new navigation approach, which was introduced like uh, this summer, like, last summer, sorry, uh, it, it's really improved things. I mean, it was something which is now, now something which would you expect? Because like the first uh, releases, there was like uh, you could not navigate through like like for multiple sc- screens or model presentations, and uh, now it's mm-hmm. much much easier. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. And like just from the point of structuring your code is easy as well, because before it was like really like you had to pass bindings inside the navigation link. So there was like a lot of issues related to that. Yeah. Um, I don't know, again, how much would you be able to share, but are there any ideas or maybe like guides to those who want to create like widely used frameworks, any insights which you can share, like how, how to design the framework which can be used by millions i don't know i mean probably millions i don't know how many developers are there for <laughs> for, yeah. for um, i don't know if it's... there's like a big difference designing like a framework because uh-huh. like it's used for like some people and designing a framework is <laughs> multiple it's more like uh you have to think that uh you probably won't be able like to change the api when it goes into the framework because like just like changing deprecating apis every day is, is not great especially when it's used by so many people so uh on the safety writing we spent a lot of time just like, thinking and iterating, iterating uh, on the on the API before it goes into the framework. And uh, there's like a lot of meetings, a lot of discussions, trying to hear like all the people would think, uh, like we start first like with the, like the concept, you know, how, how it should work, what, what problems it's trying to solve, then uh, like how it's gonna be implemented exactly, what's like the structure of the API, and then we iterate on the naming again, <laughs> like many, many times. Like, uh, yeah, and we, it was like a lot of <laughs> Uh, a lot of back and forth but like to the point that like everyone is now like happy or at least like content with what we have so that we're like happy to put it in the framework because we can't just like take it out of the framework uh, we have to support it at least like even if we change the name and deprecate the name we still have to support what we already put in. right um it's uh we uh, speaking of naming i, I just recalled uh, there was a couple of uh i believe it was Mastodon threads uh, in regards to, like the inset usage in um, UI kit, like the inset. Mm-hmm. There, there are a lot of insets for for one single UI view, mm-hmm. and it was like people struggling to uh, get get familiar with all, with all of those. So yeah, I believe the naming is def- is definitely something you you need to take care of. Um, but I would say that insets much better than uh, using margins or paddings because I d- I never remember. What <laughs> what is <for laughs> HTML? Which are mar- uh, yeah, which are paddings, which are uh, margins? Um, I think that the next question. So the, the, the next question actually comes from uh, Vladimir and from me also. Like we see that a lot of companies now uh, leaning towards uh, hybrid at least work environment. Some people getting trying to get people back into the office. Um, what's your like view on this? Um, I mean, you you worked with different layouts. From from your perspective, what's more efficient? What's uh, and again, like not just for you as a developer, but rather like you 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 have some entrepreneurship as well. Like, uh, do you feel that uh, one of the approaches is better for the whole business, or like what, what's what's your view on the how people should work? Fully remote, uh, hybrid, office? Yeah, I think it's like a difficult question because like different needs of companies and people at the same time. So I think like in the ideal situation, workers can just like choose where it's best for them uh, to work. So, so like uh, for me, for example, personally, if I was close to an office, I would probably go a few times a week just like to to change how, like the environment where I work to, 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 to interact with people in person. But like I wouldn't move somewhere like i wouldn't move to a specific location just to go to the office like for me it's more important the location like where i live uh so um yeah so like that's why like personally i prefer being remote or having the option to go to the office if you can but 
like ideally I think companies should accommodate for both and like uh, either have an office where people can uh, can go if they can't like some people can just can't work from home because of whatever situation they have and some people can't maybe physically go to the office uh, because or like emotionally it's harder for them to work in the office when there are other people they can't focus like there are different kinds of people different kinds of situations and like if the company can either like have an office where people can come uh, either like for meetings or just like when they, they, they feel like they have to work from the office uh, or just provide medical working spaces uh, if they, they don't have um, an office location, but also allow people to work from, from home if it's uh, like if it's what's best for them. That would be ideal. But in your answer, you're focusing more about like a space where you work. Mm -hmm. But what about communication between uh, people in the team? Yeah, I think uh, for many things, it's easier to be in person just to like, um, because like sometimes in writing, you can misunderstand things, you can like you have to like clarify things. So uh, you don't see like how people uh, like, um, gesture, like how they, they said, like you, you miss on a lot of clues. So like sometimes it's harder to communicate. Uh, so that's why I think like maybe meetings are easier in person uh, sometimes, but also like for some things, asynchronous communication is maybe better, especially like if you're just like working on some programming task and you just like need time to just like to do it yourself and then ask questions later when you like, and you maybe some questions are easier asked in writing because well, you can spend time on formulating the question. You can like attach code sample something. So yeah, I think um, it really depends like what sort of uh, problem is being solved. If it's like a meeting, a planning meeting, or you're like trying to solve some issue that's better communicated like straight away and talked over or it's like just a question about like some programming assignment that you write it uh write it in an email or whatever or slack thread or and that be asynchronous so like the other person also has time to like read it understand it in their time and maybe write you like a code sample or something Daniels, you said that you are not so far from Apple Park. <laughs> Could you say then that we probably need some, I don't know, pair programming tooling in Xcode to work together? Because I really like this. Um, yeah, yeah. So, by the way, it it seems that uh, Apple already, I mean, we are speaking, um, <laughs> Natalia probably will not be able to join us with this communication, but Apple already <laughs> created one tool which like focuses on collaborative work, like the free form, which is available on Mac, iPad, and it's like, there are other tools like, I don't know, Miro probably might be the closest, uh, but Freeform is already there and it's free. And uh, like, I think Apple is at least sees this as something which uh, they can work on. But again, yeah, maybe something like the, for the developers, like working together on the code, but l listening to Natalia, I also, um, Thinking that the one thing which, uh, like real communication, like in-person communication, uh, like benefits with is like actual gestures and, uh, something which you might skip when you're even, uh, seeing, but you using, you know, Webex or um, Teams or whatever. So it's a, it's something which is, uh, like you slightly not really in person. And, um, I don't know if any, uh, like technologies could actually fix that so I, I still think some in-person communications are needed and I actually felt uh, that yeah as a developers we can work fully remotely like we, we can work from home that's one of the benefits being I know software developer probably I mean not not every profession can do that but we can but even with that you still probably want some human interaction from time to time at least <laughs> so By the way, I see the gestures so one main point <laughs> please turn on cameras on meetings.
Yeah, at least, at least, I think that's uh, something you 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 should be doing. I mean, you, you it's better to see actual people there, and uh, that, that's closest which we could get while working fully remotely. Um, okay, I I think we have um, we know that you attended one of the Apple's event uh, now, which is well event program probably it's to call mm-hmm. it's the apple come for entrepreneurs and for female entrepreneurs specifically um can you share like what's what it is and uh, what's your experience from that again probably there might be something which you can share but at least some things which you actually can share about this program and how how you personally felt about it yeah, sure. So it's a program called Apple Entrepreneur Camp, and they run different cohorts to support uh, minorities in tech and uh, in, like in our app-focused businesses. And so they have a cohort for uh, black founders and developers, uh, Hispanic founders and developers, and uh, female founders and developers. And it, everyone can apply who has an app or is working on an app. And they have some like acceptance criteria, like your company should have a uh like for the example for the female cohort they have a criteria your company should have a female founder uh female developer and you can bring one other person uh like one other developer company uh and yeah this year was like fully remote uh and uh so that like the intense part was just for one week last week uh where we had like uh, meetings uh discussions every day uh and being in new zealand for me it was like 4 a.m in the mornings mostly <laughs> it was quite hard but uh yeah extremely useful because uh we had like sessions where uh, apple experts shared, shared some insights with us for example about uh pr marketing for our apps about how to talk about apps like demo our apps um then we had sessions with uh support technical support engineers who just like provided uh one-on-one uh code help for us we had uh design reviews uh for our apps like with apple designers uh who then give us tips on how to improve things and so it was like yeah, incredibly helpful and uh, but like after that apple still provides us uh, ongoing support for at least like one year we have a partnership manager who just like helps us with our different like questions we might have about uh developing our app, putting it on the apps, they're promoting it on the store. Uh, so yeah, uh, I definitely would encourage uh, people to apply if, if they qualify. Great. And um, like from uh, for your company, for your apps, uh, do you feel it's uh, like it's actually helping? So di- like, did you actually hear something which were targeting specifically your situation? Uh... Yeah, for sure. Because we also had like one-on-one uh, uh, meetings, not just like group meetings. Uh, and so basically, uh, we went uh, there with our um, drawing app for iPad, and it's like um, a unique app where you don't draw like you don't. We, we don't try to imitate any physical medium, so it's not like a pencil or a brush. It's like a brush redesign that creates uh, like shapes as you as you stroke, uh, and like uh, you can guide it. So you can uh, you sort of control what type of shape it's going to create depending on the speed and like the noise setting of the brush but uh some uh, of the agency is like uh, assigned to the app so the app will have some sort of say in what in what you create so it can help like to get past the creative block and just like experiment with things and like just create art if you don't have like a strict like a very explicit idea what you're like going for in the end so like um, for people who maybe struggle with uh, more traditional drawing apps where you have to maybe have a like a plan of what you're going to create straight and uh, we thought about this app as like a drawing just like a different type of a drawing app and it's how we communicated it to people and 
for many, it was like sort of hard to understand how they could, they could use it. And with like through the, the sessions with Apple, we realized that it's more like a creativity tool. So we should communicate upfront like that they are uh, you sort of collaborate with the app to create the final result. Uh, because like maybe some people were trying to get more final control, but it's not like what the app is for. The app is for like more like sort of um, exploring ideas and getting inspired by like the shapes. Uh, so uh, I think like uh, Apple helped us to sort of define the user expectations for our app. So this way we can like structure our work better and like plan features in a better way because like we have a better focus on what's like going on and they help us like define it. And like, just like to ask the right question ourselves first, like what the product is, what the product is and who it's for and like where to take it further. So it's definitely like helped us uh, to, yeah, to plan better for the future, how we develop the app further. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Okay. So, uh... I would ask the next question. So according to your like a uh, path in IT, you participated in many different uh, development communities. So yeah, very interesting question. So do you feel that these communities are inclusive? Uh, and especially let's talk about uh, has community. Yeah, I think it really depends on like the specific community. We could certainly do better in all, all of them uh, for sure. And like from my personal experience, uh, like for me, it's been improving uh, since like, uh, I, th I think I like started programming like maybe eight years ago, something like that. So uh, over this time, I think improved a lot, uh, at least like from my point of view, I'm not sure if it's because uh, I'm like in different communities now or because uh, things are actually improving for everyone or because like I, as I'm getting more senior, I pro it's probably easier for me to navigate uh, those communities as well um, um but yeah um like uh, i feel that uh, they are inclusive for me uh, and i hope it's the experience for most people but it's probably not the case so that's why i think we should definitely do better and listen for more uh, people for junior developers as well how like welcome they feel uh, in those communities and uh like uh, for other like minorities not just like white maybe we shouldn't just ask white women about like what they feel but like uh other women and um, people, yeah, uh, sort of, uh, yeah, the more perspectives we have, the better we can do. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Dennis, ask the next question. Yeah. We cannot hear you. Oops. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> happens. I mean, uh, sorry about that. Um, so, yeah, you, you, you already actually started uh, answering that particular part, but is there any, like, maybe can, can we get into more specific, like, do you feel what can be done to improve the communications? Like, is it just the community part or maybe, I don't know, companies should step in here? And um, honestly, I see that Apple actually does a lot in terms of uh, making the development communities more inclusive. Um, I was like, uh, like this um, Apple camps, uh, entrepreneur camps and other programs, They and they have a couple of... Uh, uh, events happening when they promote work of uh, underrepresented uh, communities. But do you feel, is there anything else which we can do? I mean, uh, what, what, like, what would uh, help you if uh, other people in the communities do better? Like, um, I think, like, firstly, we should be like, more welcoming to, to new people and just like encourage more people to, to join, to try even like beginners or people who might consider, uh, you know, tech, but are not sure yet because like I was thinking that uh, if uh, like someone encouraged me maybe to try like to learn to program earlier, I could have started earlier. 
uh, but like I, I sort of had to come to this point that my or maybe it could be for me but I never thought like I could I never thought that I could just like start, start the program and actually find find a job in development so I think we should definitely encourage like more different people to join to try to try to program try learning new, new things and be welcoming then ask for ask for input from uh, from different perspectives like see what we can improve and uh li listen uh to people as well and if they have any problems uh, like try to solve them or at least amplify their voices like if you see like someone is tweeting about some kind of problem at least like try retweeting it sharing it and um yeah maybe like talk to your like friends or whoever like uh you're working with how how you can help um together um yeah just like yeah uh, share share the work of the people especially like if you if you like a piece of work like a book or website an app by by someone who is underrepresented like from an underrepresented group just like share it tell tell them tell everyone else that it's like a really good product um yeah because i think like from uh, unfortunately sometimes like for like other men to try some other like product uh, that may be good but from like a woman or other underrepresented uh, founder or developer they have to be told by another man that it's good, you know. So like, just like if if you like something, just like share, uh, share the their work. Yeah, support support them how you can. Um, by the way, yeah, we will share the links uh, to to the apps and <laughs> to the book uh, which you actually <laughs> created. So it's, 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 it wasn't it's a hint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's still like it's actually like the next question in my list here. <laughs> it's it's actually about the book. Uh, we we talked about your as like uh, your path into the development part and uh, your work on the like very interesting things. And by the way, the, the your career path is just like amazing from totally different perspective. So you were like web more or less development, and like you did a lot of different things. And then like yeah, now it's uh, Swift. And your book is uh, um, about the Swift UI and UI Kit, and which is now probably very important topic because we still have a lot of UI kit apps and we probably want to go towards Swift UI, but we sometimes might not have enough time to rewrite everything. So the book is actually about uh, how to integrate Swift UI into UI kit. Mm -hmm. So uh, my question here might be more, did you learn something yourself when you started writing a book? And like, what's, what's moved you to become a book writer, book author? Yeah, for sure. For sure, I learned a lot because like, it was my first uh, book I ever wrote, and uh, like the idea was, uh, I was thinking how I can like sort of um, make SwiftUI more accessible for a wider audience because uh, like it's great when you can just like start a new project and experiment yourself, but what can you do if you already have projects and you just like don't have the opportunity to rewrite them? Maybe like you don't need to because they're great, but you want to maybe add some new features uh, or um yeah for like companies who have like large uh, large apps and they just want to like rewrite one small part or just like integrate new features into like an older app so i thought it would be great uh yeah sort of a uh, great topic to write a book about because there's a lot and this way i could like structure uh my knowledge and my thoughts and like um in a um sort of more coherent way rather than just like writing blog articles because like it's always um like for blog articles it's always like where do i start do i start from the very beginning do i start like there and then direct people to other resources with the book i could like start from the very beginning so i could like focus on, on ui kit developers so like it starts with just like introduction to swift ui and then helps you to, to identify ways you can integrate it into your existing project and uh from the learning perspective uh i definitely learned like how to write a book and you know, all this like tooling around that and like how you can like, 
convert uh, Markdown into EPUB and PDF and things like this. Uh, but also, right from the technical point of view, like there were a few things that I had to like research and experiment uh, with because like I had this like project in mind, a sample project, and some things weren't like working as I expected they would. So I had to experiment and find ways. For example, um, I did a lot of things about like sizing views, like uh, when you into, like embed a Swift UI, how do you like size it? How do you make sure like the UI kit like leaves it enough space? For example, when they use the switches, their uh, text size uh, and like this, things like this. So this this was through just experimentation that I like I found ways to to do that. So I shared that in the book as well. So yeah, definitely. Uh, was great for me as well for just like structuring my thoughts and maybe filling yeah. some gaps in in my experience and knowledge as well um do like do you plan to continue this like uh, with some new books in the future yes for sure because <laughs> uh, like it was useful for me and i think it's like great as well to just like contribute to the community community in this way uh and um i have this idea about writing a book uh related to swift charts uh, because I've been experimenting quite a lot with Swift charts, I think it's like a really great framework and has a great potential. So, uh, but yeah, it's like on the early stages and like like the previous book about uh, integrated Swift UI and UI kit, I wrote just in a few months, just after I left Apple. Uh, but now I have a lot, a lot going on, like I have apps and, like, um, and, and things like this. So I think this book will take longer. Uh, and also still like uh, figuring out how, what's the best way to structure it, to uh, mm -hmm. sort of, yeah, be, be most helpful. Uh, but yeah, definitely have some uh, some work to do there. But yeah, that is and some somewhere like I'm doing like on the like research at the moment and collecting uh, collecting material. Nice. Yeah, we will be waiting. Need to think about any like ideas for books. Probably we are also good out authors, but we uh, haven't uh, revealed us yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. Uh, and yeah, just just to uh, think, maybe um, what was the hardest point, uh, hardest thing in writing a book? I mean, uh, but from what I've heard, it may be the structuring part, but what, what any, maybe anything else? I mean, like it's your first book, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. like, what, what what was hard for you in order to actually do that? It, and like write a book in a couple of months, even like it's just technical book, and uh, like some people uh, like. I don't know. Might might still write it much more, much longer. Like this is really huge to write a book in uh, in a couple of months and uh, make it available. That's just I don't know. From my perspective, it's amazing. I'm I was thinking about that and not I'm not just uh, that I have some idea, but like I, I, it still would take probably a year to 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 do everything. Like and uh, so what's 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 uh, what can you give maybe as an advice like uh, to those who who potentially want to start writing something into longer than the than, than tweets or like even blog posts. <laughs> yeah, like um, I could write it so far because uh, like I had time, so I just did that. I was just writing. <laughs> it was like winter here in New Zealand, so like it was not nice to go for walks. It's like it gets dark like at four uh, like four p.m. when it's winter, so like just like at home writing my book. <laughs> I think it was maybe about like uh, yeah, maybe it was like three, but yeah. So I had the time. So don't worry if you don't have the time to write it in three months. It's, it's not normal. Like take a year to however much time you need. Just like start, start a blog post and see like uh, what, what kind of topic do you want to develop uh, further? Uh, what like what could be, what topic could benefit from like a more structured approach from like uh, taking it from the beginning and developing it further. And uh, yeah, start, start writing, think of, about it as like a structured selection of blog posts basically. 
you know, that like ha have the, the beginning and you're like, you know, you can think of like every chapter is like a blog post, but it has to build upon the, the previous chapter and take it further somewhere after that. Um, yeah, and, and just like mm -hmm. share, share what would be useful for you, you know, like uh, try to remember how you learned this topic and what would be helpful for you and just share, share the same thing with, with others. <laughs> how to become a Rust developer if you're an iOS developer. Hmm. I, yeah, th I think, why not? I think <laughs> yes, by the way. Yeah, Vladimir, let's, I, I will definitely encourage that and I will probably read that book. I mean, I'm, I'm also looking into Rust more and more, but I still prefer uh, Swift syntax there. So it's like, honestly, you see, you, you look into Rust and you, like, you see where Swift will go, <laughs> but probably with some slightly better syntax. I mean, like, that's my, my, my feeling of Rust right now. So it's like... I still believe that this borrowing model for memory management is one of the best parts of Rust. And I remember that in Swift community where talks about adopting this approach as well instead of using RC. And I believe that this will make uh, Swift much more complex, <laughs> but much more comfortable and much safer for us. Um, yeah, probably. Um, speaking of this future um uh yeah so i have one we have two more topics here and the first one will be like uh, we we know that probably you uh, look on wwdc in with different eyes i mean like you you you, you know it from different perspectives but now you're a developer which uh, like probably also sees wwdc as some really cool event which happens in the beginning of summer here in california like um, like, do you still wait it as a, as something exciting, or like you already like know it from the other side, so it's like slightly less uh, appealing, or like what what what's your, what's your view on the on this uh, like company big events for the yeah. developers? Yeah, definitely, definitely excited about it, and I think it's more exciting on the outside <laughs> because Amaza is extremely stressful, and like you get so tired that uh, at least for my experience that like. I was too tired to be excited, even though like I was going to share like my work, but like by that time it was just yeah a lot uh, and got stressful as well. So on the uh, outside, you can be just like expecting new things and it's like um, a, fu a fun event and yeah, definitely looking forward. And there's always like surprises, even the year when I worked at Apple, the dub dub was still full of surprises for me because like we don't know like what other teams are doing. And, yeah, for sure. And also like yeah. the second, like dub dub not last year, it was uh, just like one month after I left Apple. So I was excited <laughs> to see what happened to my work. What have you done with my work? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, the last summer they had actually like in-person event, at least like one day it was uh, at Apple Park and it was cool. Um, like, we were able to see like the teams there, so it it, it was it, it was really nice. And there are still hopes that maybe this year they will be still in person. Um, do you think if like they will announce the in person WWDC? Do you think uh, like getting here for for the WWDC in person, or it's uh, like you don't you don't see that as important part of the conference? I mean. The, yeah, maybe, not sure, but mm -hmm. uh, like, yeah, I would definitely love to just like, go in person right. and meet everyone. But for me, it's every time, like, okay, how long will it take for me to get there? 
from New Zealand. And then like, maybe I'll go with my yeah. husband together yeah. because like, then we can like maybe travel in the US because we are flying yeah. such a long way. But then what do we do with our dog? We have to arrange like someone to look after yeah. our dog. And like every time we yeah. want to go somewhere at some conference or like that, that we think about all of that. And we're like, okay, maybe next time. Because <laughs> like, we just like <laughs> yeah. a lot of things to plan. So maybe, I'm not sure. Yeah, I would definitely love to, but there's a lot of like other complications. Yeah. Well, again, for when we record this episode, we still don't know what will happen with WWDC. So uh, last mm -hmm. year, I believe they announced the uh, everything in the in April, I think, like in the beginning of April, mm -hmm. something like that. So it's probably. like we probably some somewhere in a month uh, time until the announcement. So yeah, we 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 will hope that there will be something here happening. And uh, um, I, I spoke to my friend recently, and they said like. Probably for you, it will be slightly less exciting now because you don't have to fly there. So it's like you live close, and there might, that might take some part of the excitement of the of the mm. event. I don't know. I mean, like I I was really excited last year, and when I was when I was able to just one hour drive instead of one day flight to <laughs> to the conference, and it was still fun and exciting. But um, maybe there is something about that when you when you're getting there and there's some part of the travel and to, to, to get to, to the to the conference rather than being able to just walk there. Not not sure. Oh you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah we'll see. Um before we go into the last question, I have my last question. So uh, you shared a lot of stuff that you learned about like writing book and how to structure it, but probably you have something to share where do you find new information about as development? What are your favorite blogs, books, whatever? Yeah, I read a lot about like uh, from other authors. Um, I'm probably subscribed to all of the newsletters in the community. <laughs> so uh, at least like I don't have like, a lot of time to read everything, but I at least like skim through every newsletter. I think uh, every week just to see like oh this article like I might learn something from it, so I go read it further. And yeah, so that's how I discover blogs mostly through newsletters. Uh, and or like when I have a problem and I search for it online uh, and books as well I buy a lot of books I don't read all of the books I buy but I always think <laughs> okay I might need it in the future so I go and buy it uh, from the like the prominent blogs I read is Happiness Swift uh, by Paul Hudson uh, I, like it's how I learned Swift UI basically I learned uh, from, from this blog at first and then um, Swift by Sandel as well um and then there is Tanashita uh, blog mm. I, I quite like as well yeah. um but yeah many like the ones like them all and like uh, it's it's great really great to have different like perspectives different articles because they always cover like topics in slightly different ways and uh yeah slightly slightly um, different so it's really great to have as many as, as possible diversity yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, my, my, my last question here would be on the future as well. And uh, currently we see a lot of attention to uh, ML, uh, artificial intelligence, and especially the, the gener uh, generative models like ChatGPT, uh, Stable Diffusion, these, like, and from, from what I hear, I think maybe you have something to say here as well, because your app, which you like just recently uh, described it, should help you overcome your like uh, creative block. And maybe like these models uh, can do something like that as well. I mean, do, what, do, what do you think about this like 
hype over this ML and especially in uh, like this uh, chat GPT and maybe stable diffusion like the mid journey model which draws something from what you uh, like you, you type something and it draws some image uh, like this is also something which seems to be having attention but do you think it's something like uh, will re where are we here like is it the beginning of something big or like how do, how do you think yeah. I think those are like really great advances and I hope that they can be used in like a really good ways as well. Uh, they're already used, right? Like uh, uh, I think that like voice recognition technologies are just like amazing and uh, like help a lot of people, like for some people just convenience, but for some people it's like they actually improve their quality of life as well uh, for like different accessibility use cases and uh, like for some uh, like like to take some sort of uh, repetitive tasks from, from humans as well, or some, some tasks humans probably wouldn't be able to do at all themselves. It's just like a great, some great use cases uh, for some medical purposes maybe as well, for like help diagnosing um, diseases, at least like on the uh, like sort of first, stage, first stage of the diagnosis, I guess. I'm, I'm not sure how, how exactly it works mm -hmm. in the medical sphere, but I think that there are really like good use cases, like current and potential as well. Uh, but I think we have to like, also be careful uh sometimes maybe like not to trust it 100 percent understand that like uh there can be mistakes it, like this like software can be compromised there can be like mistakes made by people who train like the machinery yeah. models or like there can be biases that they sort of contributed themselves into these uh, algorithms and that's why it's like not that great maybe for some things so i don't think we should think oh this is like per perfect thing and we just like trust it fully 100 percent uh, but there are definitely things uh, that yeah that can be done that are good. And same like with ChatGPT, like I used it once myself for just like some ideas about how like to describe the app, and we ended up not using anything from there. But I think it's like could be like a good starting point for like when you have like a blank screen and you don't know like you have to write some piece or something and like don't know where to start. Maybe like, maybe it can help you to like just have something where you can like build upon. You don't have to use that exact like phrasing in the end but maybe it can be helpful there like i won't use it myself for like generating code because it's just like don't, don't trust in this, in this <laughs> way <laughs> but if it's it. like helpful again to just like get past some kind of block then yeah why not i found the perfect uh, appliance for this uh, for writing annual feedback so manually <laughs> <laughs> typing okay this guy done perfectly Please say that uh, he done perfectly in three sentences. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, my, my experience with ChatGPT was uh, kind of, uh, it was interesting to see that it constructs the proper sentences, but it was saying incorrect things. In all cases, when I tried to use it with the specific queries, I mean, like, it, it knows how to, like, construct the uh, proper, I don't know, paragraph of text, but it uses wrong facts there. And that was like okay, I probably not not for me as well. I mean, it's uh, my, yeah. My my requests were were specific and probably like the training data the, which they had, they didn't had enough information for that. But still, like I, as a user, I was like, yeah, well, it can talk, but it basically says wrong things. <laughs> and that's as many probably, juniors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think yeah. W w with this, I would just probably uh, think that we need to thank you again for coming for our show and uh, again um, 
like uh, hopefully you, all, all, all your endeavors like your, your new apps will be soon uh, available we will definitely keep an eye and we will definitely be reading the blog and we'll be waiting for the next books as well I mean the um, I'm seeing that you, the work you're doing on charts and um, in the blog I mean it, it's probably will be the great the uh, a great book as well um, I, yeah, we have, by the way, one uh, co comment. Uh, let, let us probably even show it here uh, on the ChatGPT. And uh, so, yeah, the ChatGPT can be used for some purposes. And I think that's probably a great idea to use it when you need to create a text which you know, actually sells or has some proper wording. But you need to control your facts yourself and you need to be in control what you what you, you to take from that. Yeah. Yeah, one last thing I can say that uh, you definitely have to try GitHub Copilot because uh, recently I found that I have free uh, access to it. Oh, come on. It's so cool. So it's uh, just a code completion of the future because it really helps to avoid uh, writing, I don't know, mapping between one data structure to another data structure. It, it fills all switches, etc., without any code from my side this part. That's great. Yep. With that, uh, yeah, so use uh, uh, these models uh, wisely. <laughs> try, try, try. I think that would be the good, uh, good summary of this uh, talk on the email. Natalia, thank you very much for coming and all listeners, uh, like uh, viewers, thank you for coming here for the live stream. If you're watching us live, thank you. Please something, type something in uh, YouTube, I don't know, the subscribe button, everything. Like there, there are a couple of things. We are, we are still new with, the, with this YouTube thing <laughs> being three seasons here. And if you're listening to us on your uh, podcast app, just try to spend a little bit of your time to give us uh, a rating and a review. Thank you. <laughs> Please. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me today. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.